Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental, episode 40. Hi friends, it's us again, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced. That's right, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced. Yes, I will never get sick of saying that because it's true. Mm-hmm. Take As of that, right now, everybody. Yes, everyone, take it. We uh-huh. will we will serve it to you. Mm-hmm. It is it is here for you to take and have. We are Star Trek kings. Yes. We um of course in the enlightened future there's no such thing as kings anymore. No, Gene's vision had no place for kings, but we are kings all the same. Yeah, and you because you 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 spite Gene so much, you just have a crown that is nothing but zippers. That's right. <laughs> Take that, Gene. Zippers and a lack of sexual harassment. <laughs> the two things he hated. Yes, lack of sexual harassment all around. Uh-huh. I think I, I think we can all agree to that. Mm-hmm. But now we have reviewed, well, uh, the last time we spoke to you, we had reviewed 100% of Star Trek. Yeah. Now we have reviewed 99.98% because there is one 15-minute short out there we've not discussed yet. Yes. So technically, it's, it, we have it, not. It's, it's coming. Like Yeah. What we decided was, and we may have mentioned this before, uh, that 15 minutes of, uh, you know, a, a discussion of a 15-minute piece of content is not an entire Star Trek or an entire podcast. Yeah. So we're going to wait. They're, they're doing four of them. That'll be the length of a full episode. We will talk about them all at once. Yeah. Also, apparently, people outside the U.S. don't get to see those things. Oh, seriously? Apparently. I mean, I, I can only speak for the people we know in the U.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, both English and Irish Gav told me they, they can't see them. And I guess if they're on... Uh, yeah, they're on Netflix over Netflix there. Netflix over there. Yeah, and they don't... I guess they didn't get the rights. And then, Yeah. How, how and where do you play that? Like... I don't know. I mean, um, Bojack Horseman had a, like, just the intro to the fake show within a show, Horsin' Around. Uh, it's like That's 30 an seconds. Excellent point. You can play that on Netflix. It's it's not an episode. It's like a little extra. You can put whatever you want on Netflix. Hey. Yeah. What the hell, Netflix? Yeah. I, no, it's a, it's a whole CBS rights thing, I'm yeah. sure. Ugh. All right. Yeah. Excuse me. What the hell, CBS? Now, uh, for those of you who would like to follow, I've heard uh, a number of people say this to us, they'd like to follow along with our coverage of Discovery, but they don't want to pay for some dumb app. That's which, fair. Hey, I get you. Uh, it is finally coming out on uh, home video. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blu-ray drops very soon. I probably should have this information in front of me if I'm uh, going to be talking about it. Let me just pull this up. Or I'll just click on this here. Matt, do a dance while I look this up. So this is the part of the show where Al looks something up and I try to vamp while he types. So let's there see how go. quickly I can type while he talk while he types. Oh, I'm I'm already done. Oh. Good work, Matt. November 13th. All right. So uh, it's almost exactly a month from now. Yeah. Uh well, as as of this recording. Yes. yes. Uh and yeah, and uh Blu-ray, DVD. I don't know if it'll be on the the pay streaming services like iTunes and Amazon and all that, but uh-huh. but at the very least you can buy it on disc. You can see it. And just own it and not have to worry about signing up for CBS. So, yeah. So then, you know, uh, we there's still a couple of months from that point till season two. So you can be all caught up on our coverage if that's a thing you want. Yeah. So check that out. Unfortunately, uh, I imagine the shorts will end up on the season two DVD. So probably because the last one doesn't drop until January. Yeah. 
but I don't know. I have no idea. I, I don't know how they're marketing this thing. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's probably a mistake. We're just two people stuck in the middle of CBS's decisions. So, like, I mean, at least do, we know we're doing our darndest. At least we know when season two airs now, because for a long time, it's like, well, what happens with our show? Yeah. When when does it come back? Like, how much time do we have to fill until it comes back? What the hell, CBS? Why didn't you think of us? The simple just, podcasters. Just a release date. That's all I yeah. needed. And it did finally come. And it is mid-January. Yeah. So um, we we will be uh, covering it in more or less real time. Uh, the same week that the episode airs, we will uh, we will review it. Yeah, so that should be fun. I mean, it'll be terrible, but mm-hmm. also interesting. So uh, in the meantime, we're discussing a number of possible options for yeah. the several weeks in between. Um, but the show's not going anywhere. Yeah. A few people said, hey, I, I, I'm going to miss you guys every Monday. No, we'll still be No, here. you're not. We'll still be here. Yeah. We're not sure what we're doing yet. The The original plan to cover uh, sort of Star Trek adjacent sci-fi shows probably not happening yet because there's not that much time to fill. Yeah. Like, we'd, we'd review five shows and then go back to Star Trek, and when we do that, I kind of want to, you know... Do like, it. I don't want to get... What, what, I, what I fear is that we're going to do nothing but bullshit 90s UPN shows. Well, if I have my say, then yes, that's exactly what we'll be doing. And if we allow enough time, there can't possibly be that many of them. You'd be surprised. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I lived through that period. I know it full <laughs> well. Anyway, uh, we, we have some mail, uh, quite a bit of mail yeah. to answer. So let's do that. Let's roll into some mail. Yeah. Rolling right into it. Rolling uh, right this first one. Digging on comes from David and this this one actually came while we were covering Enterprise but mm. I figured it would be better to to talk about now. All right. Hi David. Uh, it says uh quick guy well he, he wrote this on January 31st so the quick a little too late for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> quick guys, how would Enterprise have dealt with Michael Burnham? How would Voyager have dealt with Michael Burnham? Mm. That's that's an excellent question. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, well Voyager obviously not go- <laughs> would make her king. Yeah, basically. Because criminals on that ship just just get to be part of the crew, and it's everything's fine. That's I mean, fucking Tom Paris co- committed mutiny, and he was back on uh, he was back on the show the next week. That dude did a month in the slammer, most of which we didn't see. Yeah, for a little while, the the writers had to do a find and replace to call him uh, ensign instead yeah. of lieutenant, and then everything went back to normal again. But uh, Michael on Voyager would uh, be back be back in her role pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. Probably almost immediately. Although, I don't know, maybe the Maquis have a chip on their shoulder for rebels who aren't part of their thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe like Chakotay and Bellana and those guys would like resent her for, hey, well, you she she's still Starfleet. She's uh-huh. not the right kind of rebel. I don't know. I, I assume rebels all hate each other as she well would, as... I, I, I will tell you that she would definitely get a uh, a speech with no trace of irony from Chakotay about what she had done wrong. Yes, you have to follow orders and respect the chain of command and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Like I do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Every week. Me. <laughs> Nearly convicted uh, criminal. The king of the Maquis. Yep. Ugh. I don't miss that guy. No. I was watching um, was watching an old episode of Cheers. I've been watching Cheers lately. It's just oh, nice. kind of background noise. Yeah. And um, there was a big two-parter at the end of a season where... Uh, uh, it's still during the Sam and Diane years. Yeah. And, uh, Sam had a new love interest and it was Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. That's a great, uh, the two-parter and, uh, yeah, it is. He, he has, to, he might have to sell the bar or something. Yeah. No, he has, to, he might have to fire Diane. That's it. 
because she's like, well, if you if you still don't have feelings for her, then why is she working here? Fire her. And this is, you know, 15 years before Voyager and she looks and sounds exactly the same. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I say that in a good way. I have I we we both came around on Kate Mulgrew. We Oh, I'm quite fond it. of Kate Mulgrew. But yeah. like But yeah, going she's... into Voyager, we're like, ugh, Janeway. And now we're like, yay, Janeway. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was fun to see her. And I for, I had almost forgotten how she has comedy chops. Mm-hmm. Like, she could definitely play comedy. Like, she was mostly there to wreck Sam's life, but she had some funny moments. Oh, yeah. She's, she's a funny lady. So that was pretty cool. So props to you, Kate Mulgrew. We know you listen. Oh, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's one thing Star Trek people like, it's to listen to other people talk about Star Trek all the time. Oh, yeah, because if it's if there's one thing people who have been on Star Trek like is constant reminders that they were on Star Trek. I went and saw a uh, uh, at a convention. I got to see Marina Sirtis, Yates McFadden and Michael Dorn. And I can guarantee you the only thing Marina Sirtis cares about is listening to what people's opinions on Star Trek is. Oh, undoubtedly. She I loves mean, I've- it. I've told this story on the, on the show, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. I saw her at a con in the mid-90s, and I asked kind of a snarky question, just showing off in front of my friends, and she just fucking shot me down with her sarcasm. It was oh, beautiful. yeah. She stole a cell phone from someone who wouldn't stop filming. Yeah. No, she's she's fantastic. I do think she could be, and, and you know, you have your own opinions, and I'm not saying she should shut up and, and get in line, because fuck that, mm-hmm. but... Uh, anytime a new show comes out, she's like, well, that's not a show. Our mm-hmm. show is the real show. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, lady, come on. You guys, you guys were the ones that had to like put up with that shit from the ori- fans yeah. of the original series. Can't you be a little more gracious? But I mean, I get what she's saying and it's also usually pretty funny. But yeah. Oh, she, she hates discovery hilarious. and she hates, she hated DS nine. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> I just, my feeling at the time was, there's already too. There's clearly too much bad blood for uh, Discovery right now. Like you got a lot know. of people getting up to the mic and going, "Well, as we all know, Discovery is a heaping pile of garbage. That's an insult to all the Trek that's come before." Yeah, I'm just like I like it, and I've been a Star Trek fan for thirty yeah. years now. So okay, yeah, I mean, I sh- you know what? I'll just sit down and shut up. I ju- it's it's a little shaky. It's it's got some kinks to work out, mm-hmm. but it's you know, yeah, it's. The first new Trek series we've had in 15 years, and yeah. it's not too bad. No, bones are good on this one. Yeah. Not bones I the mean, character, but the bones of the show are good. Yeah. Uh, we, we need to finish answering this oh, question, and, which is uh, how would uh, Enterprise have dealt with Michael Burnham? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably Archer given her fucking only, metal. Archer only likes criminals who are him. Uh-huh. Like, That's a good point. Anyone else on that show who commits a crime, he's gonna they're going to get a long speech. Yeah, that's a good point. And possibly be abandoned on a spaceship somewhere. So, oh yeah, didn't they? They tried to mutiny against him once, and he was having none of it. Uh huh. Yeah, I remember that. No, you're gonna fall in line with my stupid ideas. Uh huh. So yeah, probably, probably less. Let's we'll keep her on. Uh, we'll keep her on Voyager. Uh huh. She can replace Harry Kim. Yep. I mean, look. <laughs> Honestly, I've said this before. I think Tilly is the basic idea of Harry Kim done right. Yeah. So, you know, just send Tilly over there. Send Tilly to all the Star Trek. I just want to see her, like, time traveling through the Star Trek universe. Yeah, she should have had the special destiny with the Traveler, not because of the Traveler, but so that she would have the power to go, Mm -hmm. you know, to all the Star Treks. Oh, I guess I'm on original series this week. (laughs) I mean, she almost is already. Uh Uh-huh. 
All right, let's see. This one comes from Chris. And, Hi, Chris. Uh, it's a bit of a long one. Um, oh, yeah, a bit of a serious one, too. Mm. Uh, in 2010, I was diagnosed with a rare genetic disease that causes one's immune system to make, to mistake cartilage in the spine for an invading infection. Oh, Jesus. It's not, it's not fatal, but it causes bone spurs and potentially total fusion of the spinal column. Oh, Treatment includes suppression of the immune system and extensive physiotherapy, which means I live almost like a bubble boy. Oh, boy. I'm uh, sorry, to, man. To avoid a permanent turkey neck posture, I spend hours a day lying on my belly, pushing my face back toward my shoulders. I also do about four hours of physiotherapy a day, exercising and flopping my hips around. Mm. Since my eyes and hands are otherwise occupied during this time, all I can do is listen. I quickly became star for entertainment and education content in audio format. Uh, not long after the symptoms of the disease started to appear, I discovered your podcast. Laying down and listening to you two talk about Star Trek was the next best thing to actually watching the show, often better. I devoured the back catalog and looked forward to Monday morning or Sunday afternoon when the new episode would be up. Because I spend so much of my time immobilized and in pain, I have a hard time being the life of the party or even making it to the party. Over the years, many of my friends have faded into the background. It may be one-sided, but I feel like the two of you help supplement the companionship needs slot in the Maslow Pyramid. And when Al says, hello, friends, I really feel it. Don't worry, I'm not going to go around telling everyone about my friends, Hal and Matt, and the fun we have. I'm not going to be <laughs> creepy or anything. I've survived some very dark times, and although your podcast never directly talked me off a ledge, your continued presence in my podcast feed has painted my world in, with a slightly rosier brush. Sometimes I feel adrift on a sea of pain and depression, but as dark as things get, I can look to the horizon, Monday morning, where a little sunbeam shines through the break in the clouds. Having that beacon of Star Trek in my future helped me see the past, see past the often miserable present and has made my ordeal a little more bearable. Thank you. Congratulations on your monumental podcast achievement. As much as I enjoy your other show, uh, Sarcastic Voyage, um, listening to you talk about Star Trek scratches an itch I didn't even know I had when this began. I hope you continue to produce more episodes even when you run out of new Star Trek. If you decide to change the subject matter or even the name of the podcast, so be it. I will be listening. Whatever you decide, know that for the last six years or so, your radio show made a sick little boy, age 38, from Canada very happy. Aww. Give yourselves a big pat on the back. Oh, thanks, man. Well, that's really nice to hear. Yeah, I, when I read this a few months ago, I definitely teared up a little. Uh -huh. I just like it's I, I, I don't know. I always feel weird talking about it, and I shouldn't. Like I'm glad we have an impact on people, but yeah. it also feels a little humble, braggy to say, "Hey, look, look, look what people think of us. We made their lives better." Like I don't want to be a jerk about it. Well, that thing it, but... always it's always weird to me because it's like, what am I doing? I'm just some asshole who shows up to yell about Star Trek for an hour a week. Yeah, we just stood here talking and hoped that people would gather around and listen and some of them did but like you know hearing stuff like that that's so that's so cool thank you so much yeah it, it really makes our day to know like that that's not really what we're setting out to do but it's certainly like a nice you know extra thing well i can definitely say that when we started this we didn't go i hope people who are hurting listen to this and find us to be a beacon of hope yeah, I, know, I mean, you know, some people are motivated by I want to make people happy. I'm doing this to, you know, to entertain people. No, I'm doing this for my own ego. Uh -huh. we, exactly we just took up too much space on our other podcast. Yeah. Well, that and and I've said this before, but really it was it was a little bit cynically calculated. Mm -hmm. I, I had had some success doing comedy reviews of some other things, and I had some success talking to Matt. I was like, why don't I combine the two most successful things I've done? And talk to Matt and do comedy reviews. Yeah, that'll do it. Now let's pick a thing we both like and we have funny things to say about. And, you know, like it was, it was, it wasn't just like a spur of the moment yeah. thing. It was very calculated to be like, people might listen to this, but, but it was never like to help people. But yeah. I'm, I, all that said, I'm glad, you know, oh, very glad yeah. that it has really, seriously. Uh, this one comes from Anthony. Hi, Anthony. 
And then he says, I fell a bit behind because Enterprise, but just caught up with the finale episode. While listening to you talking about killing characters off and themes running through the series, it hit me. They killed the wrong character. And not just because it's Trip. Oh, right, they killed Trip. I know. Think about it. What character has had a death wish throughout the series? What character's solution to every problem was to kill himself? Malcolm Reed. Mm -hmm. Malcolm, just release the whole tighty I'm stuck to, Reed. Mm -hmm. For four years, we watched his first instinct be... Whatever will kill him fastest, why not let him go out in the what-if finale with a bang? Been great following along with you guys. Congrats on making it through Enterprise. Whatever killed me makes me stronger. The Malcolm Reed story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be fine. Plus, that character was so inconsequential at the end of the series that, like, who would have cared if he was gone? You know, I joke about my failing memory, and I, you know, it's it's fun to rag on Enterprise. But I seriously, no kidding. Like, this isn't a joke, and mm-hmm. it's probably something I should be concerned about. Remember almost nothing about that series already. I honestly, I think that's a perf- that's your brain's way of protecting itself. No, because I don't remember a whole lot about Voyager, good or bad, anymore. Mm. I remember a bit about DS9 because I was very into it back mm. in the day. But, like, I feel like my brain says it's reviewed, now file it away. Sure. That's just how it works for now, me. Now, Voyager, mm-hmm. I can still talk about pretty easily. Enterprise, there's still some stuff that just is hanging on but for the most part like we beat that we don't have to think about it anymore it's a thing that we're it's a thing that we're done with yeah i just i don't remember a lot of like i still remember who malcolm is but i don't remember why i hated him i just remember i do i think it was a creep he was a creep he was a gross creep and he was obsessed with guns oh yeah he's everything i don't like him people (laughs) well he was british though so that's okay. Yeah, that was trying to soften the blow. It didn't work. It just means that we would do a Nick, and, uh, Nick impression all the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see. Oh, this was from Richard. Uh, he did that great uh, It's Time for Disco song. Yes. Hi, Richard. Yeah, very good. Uh, this is from David, which I believe is a different David. Uh, hi, Alan Matt. This is David from Michigan. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had the pleasure of attending your live broadcast at the Pocket Theater yesterday. So this was uh, back in uh, June or July. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah as well as the after-party event, which occurred immediately after the live show, and an absolutely mm. fantastic time. It was well worth the trip from Michigan. Still oh, insane God, yeah. to me. That <laughs> it was pe- wonderful meeting you. I could not believe you came from Michigan. Yeah, he came from Michigan. Uh, Devlin, who we ended up having on the show, came from L.A. Yep. Uh, uh, Stu Tim came from fucking Australia. Yeah, like, Jesus. We had people, you know, come from, like, very far away to yeah. uh, to see us. And it was very, very cool. Uh, I had the pleasure of listening to the Paw podcast since you gentlemen started covering the first season of TOS, and I've been a fan ever since. I was impressed that you gentlemen were just as funny and engaging in person as you appear to have been during your podcasts over the years. We, we uh, try. Was, um, nobody know. I didn't talk about this at the time. I had a horrible flu. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were not well, and, and you managed to hold it together until you got on the bus home, and then you just like. And then I almost died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Uh, also, it was a pleasure to meet Caitlin, Amanda, Bob, Nate, and put face to these hilarious and insightful mm. contributors that have aided in past success. Uh, by the way, please inform, inform Caitlin. She did an excellent job in her 7 of 9 uniform. I'm sure that Jerry Ryan will be proud. Undoubtedly. Uh-huh. Also, this is uh, 7 of 9 uh, uniform version 2. Yes. She had a previous one that was also quite good. Mm-hmm. And then this one is fucking a million times. Like, yeah. like, I thought that one was great. And now it kind of looks crummy compared to the one she has now because the yeah. one she has now is amazing. Well, and I'm sure she's working on a third version. Undoubtedly. I mean, Seven had a bunch of costumes. So, yeah. You know, gotta have them all. Uh, anyway, I look forward to your upcoming disco reviews as well as your reviews uh, on the rumored upcoming Star Trek themed shows. Thanks again for an entertaining event. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. 
That was nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Rob, and Rob says, Hello, Hi, guys. Rob. Just a quick message to let you know that an audio production company, Big Finish, are dipping their toes into the Star Trek universe. I attached a link to news of three unabridged audiobooks, which will hopefully lead to more in the future. What are your thoughts on this? Still enjoying the show. I'm glad you're on to Discovery now. Uh, Big Finish does the Doctor Who po- uh yeah, the, every, all the Doctor Who people I know, the Gavs and several other people go on and on about how, like, very good those Doctor Who okay. ones are. Well, that might be like, worth checking out then. They get as many of the original performers as possible. I guess they get really good writers. I, I don't have the details in front of me, but I know uh-huh. fans of that franchise are very pleased. All right. Well, good. It, then my reaction is uh, uh, positivity for the most part. Uh, I... I hate to be this guy, and somebody asked me about this on Twitter when it was announced, and I came off kind of cynical and shitty about it, but I cautious optimism is about the best I can manage, because mm-hmm. I don't know. Can you name a ton of spinoff media from Star Trek that's been really worth your time? Like, there's there's My some. silence speaks volumes. I, I thought you might be trying to think of something. I wasn't sure. You know. I, I mean, I was. There's but, some. There's a few. Look, man. There's, there's a couple of good books in comics good, and stuff. There's some good books. Yeah, uh, there's there's been a couple of okay comics, but yeah. the, the ratio of garbage to stuff that's worth your time is mm. ridiculous. Yeah. Like maybe one book in a hundred is good. Yeah. Is that does that sound? I mean, there's definitely been high? hundreds of books, so that can that yeah. is definitely true. Yeah, I don't. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's a little unfair, but I like. Like many things, I want it to be good. Mm-hmm. But it's like every time they announce a new Star Trek comic, I get excited and then I remind myself, most of the Star Trek comics have not been great. Oh, and right. Every single one of these that I've been excited for was a letdown. Yeah. I, the test for me is six months after it's out, will I want to go back to it? Yeah. And the answer is almost always no. I can't yeah. think of one Star Trek comic that was so good I would reread it. I mean, we were super excited for that Doctor Who one that came out years ago, and it sucked. Yeah, it was. I mean, there's all those Star Trek uh, crossover ones because IDW is the go-to uh, license mm. uh, uh, publisher right now, so they have all the licenses. So. Yeah, and they they're recently uh, they're doing one that's the uh, animated Star Trek and the original '80s Transformers. Mm-hmm. Which could not be more in my wheelhouse. Yeah. That's practically made for you. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. I read the first issue. It's not It's not bad. Mm. The art was cool because they, you know, they did those two art styles and they melded well together. Yeah. But the story was called Prime's Directive. That was the best thing about the book. Well, I mean, that's the same joke as when they did the uh, Planet of the Apes crossover and it was Primate Directive. Yeah. So even then. But I mean, you know. Thing is, it was fine, and I enjoyed it for the five minutes it took me to read it, and I'll mm. probably never think about it again. Yeah. I but all that said, I don't want to say like, oh, it's all going to suck. No, I'll check it out. No, I mean, um, like like you were saying, Big Finish apparently does does good work. So like, you know, yeah, they certainly have with Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm more likely to give that a shot than I am, you know, if it was an audio show not done by by them. Yeah, and they it's not just audio books, at least uh, as I understand it. Mm. Um, like they're not just a narrator reading like they're they're more like radio plays yeah like actual performers playing different characters and some sound effects and some music yeah so like i I think it's not quite a full-on radio play i think it's somewhere in the in between those things but Mm -hmm. uh still it's it's a bit more of a production than just a you know someone reading the book to you it's not like that shitty captain sulu uh 
uh, audiobook I had when I was nine that was like, okay, and then I went on another space adventure, and yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, they. I I remember like I I've read um uh, my main I I mostly read things via audiobook. That's sure. just I I it's an ADD thing. I absorb the information better when I can't like when my eyes don't wander. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know from lots of experience that your typical three or four hundred page uh paperback is about an eight to ten hour audiobook. Mm-hmm. That's just I I know that because I've read a lot of them, and the Star Trek paperbacks are about that length. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, they were coming out on uh, one cassette. Yeah. Which is 90 minutes to two hours at the most. Yeah. <laughs> out of eight to 10 hours, you're getting, you know, an hour to an hour. And, and I'm going to tell you, let you in on a secret. They did not fill that out those two hours. Like, but that's what, what I'm saying is like, there's a bridge and then there's cut to hell. Yeah. Like, that's like you're getting, you know, 20% of the story. Yeah. Like, what if we made our audiobooks the same length as our as an episode? No. I mean, that's fine if that's what the story was. Uh-huh. But the story was written to, you know, to be read out, you know, if you're reading it out loud, to last about eight hours. They so. cut out all the thes in this episode, or in this audiobook. Like... Yeah. But that's, I mean, that was my experience, like, in the early 90s. I um, I got, oh, it was a, a book called Sarek, mm. about Sarek. And it was read by Mark Lennard, and I was excited, and... It didn't make any sense. Like, they abridged it so much, it made no oh, sense. Oh, yeah, they cut those things, like... Yeah. <laughs> not even to the bone, like... Now, that's cut sad. off the bone. <laughs> Bones wasn't even in it. Yeah. But uh, all, all that said, um, the Discovery book that I read not too long ago, the one that I've mentioned before, was mm-hmm. not super great. It wasn't terrible. It was boring. Um, were you was the one where they were mere images of each other, Al? Is that the one? That that's the one. It had some it had some moments. Uh-huh. I don't. It was a little boring, but it wasn't completely terrible. Um, it was unabridged though. The mm. audiobook version was unabridged, and it was read by uh, I don't have her name in front of me, but she was the voice of Wonder Woman back in the day on the Justice League cartoon. Oh, okay. And she was quite good. Mm. And she, uh, through her, I learned how to pronounce Shenzhou and Georgiou. Mm. The that useful is, tool. Yeah. Because I see them in writing and it's, oh, I'm going to fuck this up. Yeah. And I listened to an eight-hour audiobook of her saying it over and over again. So that helped. Got it. I got it, guys. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my, my point is I think they're they're getting better about unabridged stuff. And it sounds like uh, that's what Big Finish is doing. Uh, we'll put this link in the show notes for anyone who's yeah. interested in that. Uh, let's see. Charlotte says. Hi, Charlotte. I, w- I was wondering. Why do you like it when the captain from Discovery commits a war crime, booby-trapping dead bodies, but you despise Archer because he commits war crimes? Well, good point. I mean, that's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes down to this. Um, I like Lorca. I don't like. Uh, no, this was this Archer. was Giorgio. This was the this was in the oh. the first two episodes. Oh, that's right. Okay, that was Saru's plan. Well, I also still I also like Giorgio better than I like Archer. Uh, for, for me, it was, it was a lot more about the power dynamic. It was a lot more about, uh, uh, the Shenzhou was backed into a corner. Uh, they were going to die. They were massively outnumbered by a, uh, an enemy who just completely disregarded any, you know, like rules of engagement and yeah. all that stuff. And this was a, a last ditch thing. Archer constantly lorded his power and authority over people who were weaker than him. Often. Who could not it, defend themselves. Yeah. 
Like often, that's that's the main thing. Often because it was easier too. Like yes, yeah. That's that's the main one is when he stole that ship's engine. I do remember that. I'll never forget uh-huh. that. Yeah, no. Like those guys were trying to help him and just wouldn't give up the only you know and then he <laughs> their main them. thing. Yeah, and then he left them for dead. Yeah, like they they caused him no harm and he fucked them up anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the thing. It's not like they're fighting back. Also, like. You know, th- this doesn't really get addressed because she died, but like <laughs> Archer, Archer paid absolutely no no uh, price for any of his various horrible crimes. Uh, he was yeah. lauded as the greatest hero the Federation has ever encountered, and appeared yeah. on many lists. Yep, I assume of top ten most attractive, awesome captains in the star in uh, all of Starfleet. Obviously, put up by the Starfleet magazine. But I mean, there's a there's a long tradition of um, Star Trek captains like being backed into a corner and doing some badass shit. Mm-hmm. That is like, and yeah, probably some of them would sort of be war crimey, I guess. And I'm certainly not excusing that. Yeah. But the way Archer's stories were framed, it was like they never did the work. They never like you never felt like they were threatened. Most mm-hmm. of the shit happened off screen, and it was like, boom, it's a ticking clock, and and. Everything's at stake. Is it though? Yeah. You know, I just, I guess I remember more about Enterprise than I realized because, mm-hmm. oh, I still hate it's it. It's still in there, dude. Like, yeah. Uh, this next one comes from Nathan. Not, Hi, Nathan. not our friend Nathan, but another Nathan who hopefully is also our friend. Mm-hmm. You know, not the one who's on the show regularly. Uh, hey guys, just listen to your podcast for the Discovery episode titled Above Battle of the Binary Stars. I totally agree on the context of the conversations with the Klingons, which felt like trade disputes from Star Wars. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to say this just just one more time. That was in the opening crawl, and then it was over. That movie was not about trade disputes. Anyway. People don't like trade disputes, Al. But the, that's... Uh, they were shooting laser guns from minute one. <clears throat> it's not like we were watching a bunch of, like, negotiate. They went to the Senate for a second. <clears throat> But it was nonstop fucking like it was boring and it was not a good movie. But I hate that criticism about that movie because that's just not like <laughs> ah. anyway. However, I do want to defend some of the stylistic choices it was, as it was nice that they had uh, brought it in as this was a totally different language with subtitling done to show how different the language was that they were speaking. One that's totally flushed out in our real world, oddly enough. That's true. They could have done a workaround having to do all that subtitling and language munching as some shows and moves have done by phasing out the foreign language and phasing in whatever language the viewers are listening to. Mm. But no, we have lengthy tirades of trade dispute type talks and crunchy language. On another note, though, I'm not sure I'm in love with Discovery as much as you guys are. I suppose that's because over the 15 or so episodes they had showed it, it seemed less like an ensemble show than we are used to than with the other Star Trek shows and more of a why isn't Michael Burnham on screen now uh, show. Maybe that's how ensemble shows work now. Maybe this is going to be an ensemble show. I don't know. We get little snippets of support characters, but most of the action, most of the decisive scenes revolve around one person, maybe two. Everyone else is just there to fill in some of the scenes when it's obvious you can't have Michael everywhere. Saru gets some really good scenes. That's great. Almost all character development is for the felon and the mangled up Klingon she's banging. (laughs) Um, By the end of the first season, the other shows get enough backstory for seven to ten people we actually had some investment in, even the ones you want to blow out an airlock. Here we keep seeing people get killed off. Sometimes we get some character development and attachment to because the writers watched far too much Walking Dead. And the rest had about five minutes of screen time. So the show seems to artificially draw you to only two or three people, which isn't the show I'm used to. I like my variety, and Michael Burnham seems to be the anti-hero with no moral compass to guide her back. Because Lorca sure as hell ain't. Saru is a judgmental bastard. Tilly is fangirling too much. And the engineer is too busy being in love with the doctor, who dies. While not gay, I submit proof that Star Trek hates gay people. 
So the moral center of Star Trek, which, which can be defined in almost every show, seems to be missing here. That's just my opinion. I'll continue listening, even and especially if you don't agree with me. Maybe you can enlighten someone who actually tolerated Enterprise, except season three, that was terrible. <laughs> okay, first of all, uh, you're wrong about all the other shows being ensemble shows. Like, the, the, objectively, this isn't an opinion thing. We knew fuck all about any characters other than Kirk, Spock, and Bones in the original series. Yeah. We didn't know most of their first names. We didn't know where they came from. Remember when Scotty showed up in Next Gen and we suddenly learned all this stuff about Scotty yeah, that we all didn't of, know? All of the character development stuff came from the movies when they sort of like... Yeah, but the movies didn't even give us much backstory. No. Or like you, you kind of learned a little more about what they were into. You sometimes. got more in the movies than you ever did in the series. Is yeah, but not sure. much. Like, no. like Sulu got a first name. And a lot of that stuff came from like uh, the, the fan journals. Yeah. It was just, it was stuff that was made up by the fans that the shows and the movies adopted. Or, you know, like the novels and stuff. Exactly. They're like, hey, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Like, I think that's where Neota Uhura comes from. Yeah. um, Like, all of these shows are based or have been based around their main character who's the well, but yeah the the thing we walked away from in next gen like overwhelmingly was mm-hmm. this is the picard show all the best episodes yeah. focused on picard we get we, he had an arc he had it everything like a couple you know everyone had care uh episodes that focused on them mm-hmm. but the show was very clearly about him yeah always and yeah ds9 was probably the only true ensemble show i would say I, even then we had everyone rotates around cisco like yeah we we yeah. it, it was a huge cast with like a lot of uh, fleshed out characters and it was de- it was definitely the most ensemble of any of them. But yeah, like, and you could you could look at every character on that show where they were in the beginning and where they were at the end, and there was more of an arc. Yeah, but you could still call that show Cisco and Friends. Like yeah, that that's true. And yeah, it's not the captain this time; it's Michael. But so yeah. what? It's still focusing around one person. I mean, I we know. knew that going. That was one of the things that yeah. they talked about when they were plug- when they were uh, first talking about the show was that the main character was going to be uh, not a captain for the first time. Yeah, that's. I don't care who the main character is if they're interesting. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't have to be the captain. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. But I no I I I disagree about about the the focus. I mean, all of the shows like Voyager was. Like, especially in the later seasons, it was the Janeway and Seven show. Mm-hmm. And in the earlier seasons, I, I don't remember offhand. It was the Janeway I like, and... Yeah, I don't remember. Whoever, you know? Yeah. But I I get what you're saying. I think part of this has to do with the serialization aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Because you're following one continuous story, you kind of have to pick a character to follow in that. It's very hard to tell one long story and keep shifting your focus. You yeah. can do it. But it's, it's a little tricky. Yeah. Also, I don't feel like they know exactly what they're doing yet. <laughs> uh, and the moral center thing, I'm I'm a little... I go back and forth on this. Yeah. I don't know. This show definitely is a little darker than I would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael had her big speech at the end, but I, I don't know if that was entirely earned because she was still doing morally questionable things like two weeks before that. Yeah. So I, we'll, we'll see. That one's sort of TBD for me. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I think... I think, and I'm not necessarily saying this person did this, but a lot of people think back on the old shows and have very different ideas of what they were than what they actually were. Mm. And you see this a lot with the way people think of Next Gen as like the perfect Star Trek show. Uh, no, yeah. Um, it's the Star Trek show you probably grew up on, and that's why you think that. And it, when it was great, it was great. Oh, yeah, there was, there's some real good stuff in there, but there's all, like there's also season one 
All of it, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, overall, maybe half of that show was watchable, and maybe twenty five percent of it was exemplary. Yeah, it, and that's one hundred and seventy eight episodes. So that's a lot of garbage. Yeah, there's no such thing as a like. Even DS Nine had yeah. a, had a lot had of the, bad episodes, but they had a better good to bad ratio than yeah. the others did. But they definitely had some stinkers. Uh huh. And the it's that whole everyone saying that the Orville is more Star Trek than Discovery. I no, the Orville so is just much. more like what you remember TNG to be like. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Like, there there was a whole flood of original series parodies and homages in, like, you know, all along, but especially when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. Like, mm-hmm. it's time for that to happen in the next gen. It's just the people who grew up on it want to look back on it fondly. That's yeah. fine. That doesn't make it more Star Trek. It's just the one you know. And... Mm-hmm. So many next-gen fans to me sound like original series fans did when next-gen launched. Like, this is what Star Trek is, and these new people don't know what they're talking yeah. about. And I, that bugs me so much. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This one comes from... Oh, it comes from Tim, the uh, dude from Australia I was just talking about. Who Hi, Tim. To see us. Uh, Klingon redesign. They say you should never meet your heroes, uh, but I have to say in this case they're completely wrong. When visiting the USA last month, I just so happened to be in the right place at the right time. The stars aligned, and I was able to attend the live episode in Seattle for the Vulcan Hello. You weren't just warm and welcoming. Oh, good, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) But just as completely funny in person as on the podcast. As someone who stuck through the show that shall never be mentioned again uh, with you, it was a refreshing change of pace to see you discussing new material, and you guys seem genuinely excited to be making the show again. Thanks for putting on a great event. I made so many new friends that evening and is one of the highlights of my America trip. Aw. Oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. I read an interesting fan theory slash headcanon explanation on Reddit this week for the updated Klingon design and discovery. I'll link you to the thread, but the TLDR was that after losing their ridges in the eugenics virus, this was Kronos' version of toxic masculinity. Klingons who weren't affected shaved their heads and had enhancement surgeries to proudly show off their stereotypical Klingon features. More human-looking Klingons became a subclass and only during TOS rose to power again. You know, you hate these sort of fans playing theories, but I thought this one made a lot of sense, made a lot of good points. I don't hate them. No, that's I just, not bad. We, we, What I want is to reserve the right to make our own. Yeah. Like, and what we come up with is canon because we're the most accomplished Star Trek podcast ever produced. Yeah, you can't, you can't argue with that. Yeah, we we it's canon that these are canon. Yeah, we said it before, therefore it is fact. Mm-hmm. No, and and probably early on we were like, uh, I don't want to hear your dumb fan theories, but I'm more open to that stuff than I used to yeah. be. Uh, anyway, glad you're just doing this for fun again. Can't mm-hmm. wait for you to revisit, re-record some old episodes. I would still love for you to do a triple, double, triple, uh, animated series, original series, DS9 episode, and any other theme doubles you could think of. That's that's a good suggestion however what we're doing is revisiting like when we did podcast episodes we weren't proud of yeah that's mostly what we're doing yeah um we've talked about this before there's some stuff from the past that uh yeah yeah we're not we're not thrilled by the attitude we adopted for those there's there's that there's we're definitely a little more conscious of of certain issues now but also we're better at podcasting than we used to be yeah there's there's one pair in particular which we'll be covering next week, like the, the, the two very early original series episodes that we just didn't feel like we'd found our feet yet, and you really wanted another shot at. So yeah, we're gonna do that. Um. Anyway, Tim has provided a link to this fan theory, and we will put that in the show notes. Uh, awesome. See. Thank you. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. Oh, this is also from Richard. This was his Tilly song. 
Yes. Also very good. Uh, by the way, Richard, I think, has done three songs so far since we started um, Discovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of those are available. If you go to postatomichorror.com, there's a, there's a page that has all the extras, like all the, all the what are we, uh, bonus material is what it's called. If you click on that, uh, you get all the, like, expanded cover art that Vichelle's done for us, which is great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the songs that, that Richard's done. Yeah, for this, for this season so far. Uh, he's done It's Time for Disco. He did Tilly, Tilly, Tilly. And then he did The Wonderful Thing About Tribbles. Yep. So all that is there as well as uh, Brian's also done some songs for us. Yep. Uh, which are also very great. Uh, then there's some uh, assorted listener artwork. Like it's all it's all there anytime you want to look at it or listen to it. So uh, let's see. This one comes from Ben. Hi, Ben. Uh, and it is a picture of Lorca. And at the bottom it says Very Stable Genius. <laughs> Very good. Delightful. Ben also says, if you travel by mycelial network, are you tripping on shrooms? Yes. All right. Excuse me. <clears throat> you're <laughs> tripping on shrooms. Of course. I assume but that's what you're here for. Assume. This is the most Thulu I've gotten to have in years. Now here's a here's a like I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin your fun and, and say something serious for a minute. Is, oh no. Is, is Takei still a confirmed creep? No, uh, I believe okay. he is no longer a confirmed creep. Because I heard, I heard that there might be some dispute, and I I hadn't looked back into it, and I'm I, like, not sure where that all stands. I'm I'm pretty sure I don't have the information in front of me, and yeah, uh, if I'm yeah, wrong I, about this, let us know. But I'm pretty sure, uh, the, the whoever had uh, uh mm-hmm. had basically dropped the uh. The, okay. The charges or the lawsuit or whatever it was. Okay. Yeah, I I was just a little like, uh, I, you know. Yeah. No, I know. It's this is this is the world we live in now. Yeah. And to be clear, my position, and I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure yours is as well. That when we find out, like, it is good to believe people who yes. say those things and to you know not support people who are creeps. Yeah. I'm not saying, oh, the time we live in now is people are constantly being oh, accused. Oh, God, no. no. The philosophy of the post-atomic horror is hashtag believe women, for God's sake. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I realized what I said could be could be taken the other way. Yeah. No. No. And not not just women. Also, in yes. this case, because believe vi- Salu, it, believe you know, vict- Is it believe victims? I think it's believe victims. I, I'm, not, I'm not. I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. But you know what we're saying. Yes. We, we are, you know, we are well on the side. Of, but, but my point is. We're living in, in a, a culture now where people are a little more comfortable coming forward, mm-hmm. which is good. It sucks that they have to, but that means a lot of people we used to think fondly of maybe uh, not turn as out to great be as we horrible. Think. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, this one comes from Dan. It says on the Lorca twist. Hi, Dan. Uh, I had some thoughts about a comment you made in Disco 103. Context is for Kangs. <laughs> Con test is for kings. I love it. Print it. Where one of you said the Lorca twist ruined the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we both said that a lot. Yes. Probably back in episode three, it was something one of us said once, but we, that's the thing we wouldn't shut up about. Yeah, well, I'm still mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't love it. Uh, I definitely understand that perspective and kind of agreed when the first episode aired. Uh, there are especially some moments in the middle of the season where Lorca shows some humanity that I feel would have less value now, and I miss having the nuance of Lorca being there. Mm. However, sitting on it more, I came to an alternate interpretation that I kind of like more. The way I see it, the arc of the first season of Disco sets Michael up as a sort of anti-Cisco. 
Sisko was willing to do what needed to be done and was willing to be the dark person in order to save the rest of the innocent Federation. In contrast, you see over the course of the season the entire Federation descend more and more into darkness, with Michael effectively being the only one who holds on to the Federation's ideals. Mm -hmm. The fact is, the Federation had become so twisted that no one could tell Lorca was out of place. Furthermore, we emerge from the Mirror Universe and find that our supposedly good Federation is all about shooting first and then tries to commit genocide. To sum it up, I believe Lorca being from the Mirror Universe is an indictment of us, saying that we aren't so different from our evil counterparts. That doesn't, uh, that it doesn't take much for us to become just like a nationalist fascist parody of ourselves. That it takes a little over a year for the hippie federation to become just as vicious, if not more, than the Klingons. Which I think is a pretty powerful message. Or I could be reading too much into this. That's not bad. Think, and also that, uh, you know, for modern times, that's not a bad message. Yeah, I, do, I think he might be reading a little into it. Like, I, it's not wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not a wrong interpretation. Everything supports that. But I think the show didn't, do enough to say like until the end where Michael's like we can't be like this no yeah. one once thought to say should we be letting Lorca be in charge should yeah. we be murdering like no one really thought like it kind of it didn't feel earned to me it kind of came abruptly at the end well and the other problem there is that once you again once you find out the reveal Lorca descends into a cackling monster so quickly like any nuance that he could possibly have is thrown out the window yeah but I think I think what Dan here is saying is the fact that a, a cackling evil guy got to be in charge of one of the most important ships and nobody cared. Well, I, that's it's, my point. He wasn't a cackling evil guy. Like, he was a character with nuance and, like... I don't know that he had that much nuance. I I mean, I get what you're saying. I do. But, I don't know. The first time we saw him, he was corpse-shaming the crew. You know? I mean, that's true. <laughs> like, he got worse. <laughs> but he was always pretty bad. He didn't bad. start great. No. I, I don't know. I, I get, I get wanting to talk about that stuff. I get maybe it's kind of interesting drama, but I, and I've said this and I'll say it forever. Right now we need something a little more positive. Yeah, we do. Right now we don't need the show to be dark and one hopeful person to change everyone's minds. We need it to be mostly hopeful. We need the hopeful federation leading the way through. Yeah. And if and there's showing dark... an exa showing a better example to the universe. Yeah, and if there's dark please. characters along the way, that's okay. Please, can we have that back, please? What I mean, early on in this podcast, someone, I think Bob, came on and said, people like Star Trek because they want to see a hopeful future. And I, I actually kind of uh, resisted that. Mm. It's like, no, I like a cool space show. I don't care about all that. And, and it was mostly because I got sick of hearing Gene's vision and that packaged, like, you know, mission statement that everyone repeated over yeah. and over, and you know, visionary vision of a vision. Uh-huh. And I, so I was kind of pushing back in the other direction. But I, the more I think about it, the more he was right. We do want to see a hopeful future. Yeah. You know? Like, one of the things about this show is, like, about this franchise is we get our shit together to the point where we go to space and work together and look at cool shit. Yeah, go out know? there and, you know, help people. Yeah. And sometimes there's jerks out there. That's where your conflict comes from. Mm -hmm. But, you know... I don't want this to constantly be the story of humanity is still jerks. Yeah. This is why I this is why I've soured on section 31 so much. Yeah. You know, and it, well, that was a concept I liked lot. initially. I think a lot of people did back when it first showed up on DS9. Like yeah. the idea of Starfleet having this sort of dark this dark secret that I didn't like to dwell on. And now I'm just like, oh, I really prefer the the idea that we've be, that you know, we've become good enough that we don't need that. <laughs> Well, this happens in a, like, 
I, I, it reminds me of comics. Like in the 80s, there was that trend of deconstructing comics and making them dark. Mm-hmm. There was Watchmen, there was Dark Knight Returns, there were, there were you know, a lot of stuff like that where heroes that you saw as sort of bright and cheerful and, and fun, you know, had a dark side and mm. did some, you know, did some morally questionable stuff. And Frank Miller and Alan Moore both, as well as other people, said like, look, we did this as an interesting spin on these characters. This wasn't like we didn't expect to change for, the industry. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't. Now let's make every character like this always. Mm-hmm. And '90s comics were basically just oh, <laughs> that's the the thesis statement was Watchmen. Let's all just do Watchmen. Yeah. No man, that was one interpretation. There's so many, mm-hmm. and Star Trek feels the same way to me. It feels like DS9 was the first ones to sort of put their toe in the water and say, what if there's this one rogue element in the federation and then since then mostly disco in the movies yeah want to do this yeah yeah the federation is fucked up and they do evil shit and like no man that's not no no, you're you're sort of missing the point yeah also the point in ds9 was they all pushed against it pretty hard yeah like section 31 was the bad guys yeah like cisco made a bit well we're gonna we're gonna shut these guys down yep and, you know, again, I always come back to the Pale Moonlight where Cisco did some pretty morally questionable shit. But mm-hmm. for the most part, characters on that show did not do morally questionable yeah. things. That was the point. Mm-hmm. And, you the know, thing is you don't have to you don't have to sell your soul to win a war. And and by nice. by people, by people, I mean, the the uh, the Starfleet characters, they yeah. had plenty of, of, you know, shady characters. And that's like because they focused on guys like Quark. Yeah. And Garrick. Exactly. I miss DS9. Yeah. Very good. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Deke. And Hi, Deke. He says, sorry, guys, it's been a while. I should have been right on board with congratulating you for being the most accomplished Star Wars podcast of all. Uh, I but you. I was too busy struggling with a depressive episode of my own where I was debating eating a bullet or eating Arby's. <laughs> I chose Arby's. Good. That was a mistake. I see that now. Anyway, congratulations goes to me as well as I've listened to every episode of Poster Romantic Horror or whatever it is, uh, which makes me the most accomplished Algar Productions podcast listener of all time. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I've made a lot of podcasts. You probably missed one. Uh, I hope there's a cash prize for such a thing. Thanks for all these hours of podcast pleasure. No questions this time. May the force be with you. Oh, thanks, man. And also with you. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> Anthony means to type wharf and he typed word every <laughs> single time. And I point this out not to make fun of Anthony's typo, but because this happened to me every single time in our Google notes for the entirety of two series that wharf was in. <laughs> Never once typed the word wharf without having to type the word word and then backspace and correct it to wharf every fucking time. Ugh. He says, listening to the latest episode, and I have to disagree with you about Worf getting a show. Not only should they have a Worf show, but they should have him as second in command. And the running gag for the whole show should be people asking him why he doesn't apply to be captain. Since the mission that cost him the opportunity was classified, he'd not be able to tell them. <laughs> Maybe we'd get more lines like his answer of what Klingons dream of or why TOS Klingons look different than he does. <laughs> that is not Whoa. important right now. Cannot talk about it. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just... I blame my son. We've... Well, I mean, that's obvious. Didn't you get... Didn't didn't you say uh, uh, when you saw that thing you talked about before at the con that uh, Dorn talked about how Worf was a bad dad? Yeah, he did. It was great. It was very vindicating for me. 
I mean, that was never a secret, but it's no, nice but to hear it's it, good to you know. know that he he re, he, he sees it that way. That as a, a, a yeah. as part of his character. Yeah, the the whole thing with Worf, particularly in DS Nine, was they realized he was kind of a jerk. Yeah, he was good at his job and bad at most other things. Yeah, and they they really ran with that. Mm-hmm. And for Dorn to understand that and not just say, "Well, I didn't like that direction for the character," and my spinoff would be, you know, reclaiming his, you know, being a hero. Yeah. Like yeah, that's good that he gets that. No, I I, I respect that. It's good to hear yeah. from from Dorn. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I went and saw Venom this week, and the voice of Venom <laughs> sounds exactly like Michael Dorn. Huh. Which is weird. How was that, by the way? Um, I don't want to say good, but I had a great time watching it. That's that, that's mostly what I'm hearing. It's not a good movie, but it's an enjoyable movie. Like it's deeply stupid, and it feels like it's missing like the middle. Yeah. But God, was it fun. Huh. I don't know. I, I mean, I have no interest in seeing it just because the character doesn't do anything for me. Sure. But I am I am continually, like in the last couple of weeks, baffled that it's doing so well and people are speaking so highly of it. Uh, the thing is, and they need to, it was, I'm going to get it off on a tangent here for a second, but if they're going to do a sequel, which it made a ton of money, so there probably are, they need to uh, spend more time with what is the best part of that movie, which is Eddie Brock and Venom talking to each other. Yeah, that's that's what I hear. Like... Tom Hardy is insane in that movie, and yeah. Venom is just Venom from the comic books, and I will listen to those two talk about whatever weird bullshit all day. I don't care what else they're doing. <laughs> right. Huh. That's, I just, uh, it's, it's a very 2018 thing for me mm-hmm. that the Venom movie is popular. Yep. Like just like it's, That's got that mix of, there's no possible way. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I know. Also, he definitely does make out with Venom in the movie. I've heard that. Uh huh. But I also heard that that Venom turns into a lady, so that there's like a no homo. Thing. Well, technically, he's possessing her, uh, 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 Eddie's ex girlfriend at the uh, time. Okay. But okay, there are still well, makeouts okay. with a Venom. It's a girl Venom, but there's makeouts. Bleh. It's kind of a weird movie. At no Seems point like... does he drive a truck, which is horseshit. Ah, uh, what's even the point, man? I know. <laughs> uh, let's see. This one comes from James. And Hi, James. Says, Dear Matt and Al, remember that episode of DS9 that took place almost entirely on a Klingon bird of prey, where everyone pretty much spoke English the entire time and had hair. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Uh, P.S. Bob was right about Klingon armor being reminiscent of Stargate and terrible. Mm-hmm. The ships are too. The new birds of prey that attack the Dilithium outpost are right out of Stargate, and I'm pretty sure that two-man thing Lorca and Tyler pilot off the prison ship was last used by Richard Dean Anderson. Mm. Uh, and he's provided a, a, a side-by-side comparison. And Good, because I don't know what Stargate looks like. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Like, they like, the, they look similar. I'll put uh-huh. this in the show notes so you guys can see. Uh, but I will say it's just got kind of that general curved look. Like, they honestly look a bit like Cylon, what do they uh-huh. call them, Raiders? Yes, yeah. And a few others, sort of a boomerangy kind of design. Sure. Like I've seen that on a lot of sci-fi ships. I don't know. I mean, I can kind of see it. I'm not. I'm not trying to say he's wrong. Uh, this one comes from Flonk. Hi, Flonk. <laughs> All right. This uh, unfortunately, you don't like Matt. I know you don't have the the thing open, so you're not seeing what I see. But uh, he. Uh, this will go in the show notes. It's a picture from uh, in the pale moonlight. Mm-hmm. That 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 famous scene. That it's a fake, where the Romulan guy's holding up the the data disc or whatever it uh-huh. is. Uh, only instead, he's holding Sirach Lofton, and it says, It's a Jake! 
That's all. Uh, thanks, Flunk. Delightful. Uh, this one comes from Anthony. Hi, Anthony, again. Um, hey, guys, listening to the latest episode, I had a thought about the earlier non-serialized episodes and why their characters get reset by the next episode. Tell me what you think. So we know Starfleet has a history of using the transporters to wipe out genetic damage and aging when story calls for it. What if they're doing the same for characters' psychological issues? Picard was kidnapped by an alien race again? Better restore him from backup. Worf murdered civilians? When's his last backup? Before he found out about Alexander? Ah, that shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. I'll take it. They're, yeah. they're, just, they're just old save games. <laughs> uh, this one also comes from James, uh, dear Matt Nell. In the season two teaser... Uh, Captain Pike and friends are wearing uniforms with the proper colors. Obviously, mm -hmm. fans and perhaps production members not named Brian Fuller weren't too keen on the original blue design. Uh, my question to you is, what in-universe explanation do you think they'll give for this? And if you were in charge, what explanation would you give? I mean, for the blue uniforms on Discovery, I'm going to go with it's a science vessel. Yeah, that's that's my thought as well. In fact, we have seen uh, in the original series... Um, when they go to outposts, when they go to different, like, like to prisons, I remember specifically, mm. the the guys in charge were still Starfleet, but they had completely different uniforms. Yeah. And I think different specialty branches have different uniforms. We just, we don't see them that much because we mostly spend time with, like, the exploration guys. It's like how um, uh, DS9 had those different uniforms to start with, you know? Yeah. That's the space station uniform. Now, that's that would, but then again... Admiral Cornwell was not stationed on a science vessel. That's true, but she could be all, a science admiral. But all the admirals who were running the war, mm. who hologrammed in, were all wearing those uniforms. Yeah, that I can't. I I don't know. Yeah, no, we were. I, that was my that was my thing as well. But the more I think about this, uh, the real answer is Star Trek or Starfleet changes the uniforms constantly at the drop of a hat, any hat. <laughs> Like one of the things I, I have tinkered around with uh, Star Trek Online a couple of times, and one mm -hmm. of the things you can do in that is you can basically have your your ship's uniforms be from whenever and look like whatever. So yeah, it makes it, it is entirely acceptable for me to be an in canon explanation that they don't give a shit what your uniform looks like. Whatever, go for it, man. Well, there are probably approved uniforms mm. that you have to pick from. Yeah, but you know, on this ship, we all wear this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I really don't like it, but also I don't care that yeah. much. But like As long as the show know. I'm watching looks fine, like whatever. Yeah, but it does mean when you meet Captain Pike, he's either wearing the wrong shirt or you ha or you have to answer this stupid question. Mm. You know, but also setting this after Voyager would have fixed all that. But yeah, whatever. That's another song I'll be singing for the rest of my damn life. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. You're getting your Captain uh, Picard show that'll be set after Voyager, so... I don't... Just... Oh, my God. Strange new worlds. Uh, I'm we sorry, Al. I heard old stuff we'd heard we'd seen before. Uh, let's do some more Spock stuff. Mm -hmm. Or Picard stuff. And Spock and that Picard. That show might be amazing. I've yeah. heard... Like, the, the, the showrunner is a very good writer. I'm not familiar with his uh, work. Michael Shabone, I think. Yeah. And I yeah, I've read I a couple don't... of his books. They're very good. Okay. I mean, that's good. And... Uh, what I recently heard was they, it, it is not a done in one. It's going to be a, a, a running series. Mm -hmm. They intend to do more than one season. Because my kind of assumption was maybe they'll just do a handful of episodes and that'll be it. Because sure. Patrick Stewart's an old man. Uh huh. But it sounds like no. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not, it's not that I think I'm going to dislike the show. I, it may be amazing. Yeah. It's just, I want a concept that involves new characters Going to new places and yeah. meeting new aliens. We got no, like, we got that one 
uh, Saru episode, and I guess the Kelpians. Mm. And that's it. We have no new aliens on this show otherwise. Yeah, Trek, back in the 90s, Trek took risks, you know, like... Yeah, they having did a, a show lot of... ba- Like, going from uh, Next Gen, which, you know, update of the original series. So. Yeah, but they, right off the bat, and it was a bit of a misstep, but right off the bat, they created the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in the Cardassians yep. and the Borg. Like, they, they put in some pretty heavy hitters, and DS9 fleshed it out even further. Yep. And Voyager, for all its faults, did it even further. But yeah. th- then Enterprise just kind of revisited a bunch of the same old crap, and mm-hmm. we're doing it again. Yeah. Like, I want, you know, I want to see, a me- like, I want to see something like the Cardassians. Like, a brand new species that is an essential part of the galaxy that we've never talked about yeah. before. That would be great. Well, unfortunately, that is not how media works right now. What, how media works right now is remember this, but and it looks get, like you, it looks like the at least with the, it looks like they're bringing the Romulans in for Discovery season two. So I don't know. Do you have anything more than that? Do we have anything more than that little flash in the uh, in the poster? Nope. But okay, I, I just like. They can't meet the Romulans yet. I look, man. I know that, and you know that. But like, here we are. Okay. Whatever. Ugh. Also, I'm sure it's getting real boring to hear me complain about that. <laughs> I just, I just want like you get to remember this when you call the show Star Trek and yeah. you have transporters and warp engines. Yeah, that only gets you so far. Sorry. Didn't make some new guys. Here's Spock again and his extended family. Don't need Spock, and you know. He looks good with the beard, but still. Mm-hmm. No, that's anyway. the other thing is like, well, I, I I mean, I said all that, but I do like Spock. No, and I've, I've kind of enjoyed Disco, but I don't see the, like, I don't see the point mm-hmm. in setting it in this period. Like, all the best stuff about this show could be done, you know, in any period of Star Trek. Yeah. I don't know. They're talking about making more shows, and hopefully one of them will just be a ship that is somewhere we haven't seen before, like some premise that explores something different. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, let's see. This one comes from John Wiggins, and hey, John. it is a Photoshop of Worf surrounded by keyboards, and it says Worf, son of Moog, <laughs> which is a little, you know, a little, little <laughs> bit of a deep cut, but I got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one comes from Dan, and Hi, Dan. Dan says, here's a no-prize thought for how the whole Vok Lorel plan was supposed to work. Oh, please. One, disguise Vok as a bag of salad. <laughs> Two, capture Lorca, deprive him of fiber. Mm-hmm. Three, let Lorca escape, have him take salad with him. Four, bag salad wakes up, steals disco. Five, question marks. Six, honor. Unfortunately, they did not account for true love, and so the plan wilted away. The, the, the Klingons never account for true love because they don't believe in it. I don't think that that's true. <laughs> uh, have... I will say this. God, I'm glad Bag Salad caught, caught on. Oh, absolutely. He says, for the record, I originally started this as a serious email, but immediately descended into salad. <laughs> so, yeah, our friend Devlin has definitely added a uh, yep. very important thing to the... Um, to the canon there. Uh, let's see. Oh, this that's is impressive spam. for a first time out. How many of us can say that? Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Um, oh, oh, I read this one before. This is good. Mm. Uh, this one comes from Richard, the guy who, who made all those wonderful songs for us. Yes. He says, Dear Pa, I talked the other day with a fourth grader who had watched Discovery 
and one of the first things she said was that she really liked the Klingons. Uh, this is someone who had seen Next Gen but no other Star Trek. She even explained away the difference in appearance by saying, I figured they just evolved. It didn't occur to me until later that she probably thinks Discovery happens after Next Gen, which is mm. not at all unreasonable. I guess it just shows that maybe we weren't the target audience for the new Klingons. She did not like Lieutenant Bag Salad Beardo, however. At least that is universal. I mean, man, if Discovery's picking up like new like people like new kids coming into Star Trek, which surprises the hell out of me because did this you watch is Discovery? Not the series. This is not the series for children, I no. think. Like I think about when I was a little kid and was scared of the ne- of the original or uh, next gen. Yeah, of that guy turning into a skeleton. That guy turned into a skeleton. It didn't have horrifying Klingon boobs. No, or you know, lots of gory violence or uh, very adult themes. Yeah, like because if of, it like... did, I and more importantly, that my dad, whom I was watching it with, would have gotten into a lot of trouble. Yeah. No, I mean, if if this kid saw it and if their you know guardians thought it was good for them, that's mm-hmm. great. But I I can't imagine this was on purpose. I can't imagine they made the Klingons thinking kids are gonna love this. No, I mean maybe I don't know. I, I don't can know definitely see kids. someone going here. Watch Star Trek. I used to love this. Yeah, I still and hopefully this is gonna come from them doing a lot of different spinoffs. I really genuinely think there needs to be one that is you know more more hopeful and more family friendly. Absolutely. Honestly, I think they should do another animated series. But yeah, you know. I think that would be great. Yep. I mean, do it do it like uh, uh, Clone Wars and Rebels and all that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would be great. And that doesn't mean having to make it, like, you know, dumb. Like, No. That's what I'm saying. Clone Those are Wars good examples. Clone Wars is a great friggin' show for everybody. Yeah. At, at its best, it absolutely was. It had some missteps, but, you know. Yeah. Largely, it was a fairly mature, but still for kids, take on a popular franchise. Yeah. And it zigzagged and crossed over with familiar things, but it was mostly, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking more of Rebels, uh, mostly about its own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd see Lando show up, you saw Vader show up, but yeah, you mostly, did. It was, mostly it was their own guys. Uh-huh. You know? I still gotta and watch Rebels. Oh, man. I know. Uh, I did try the new one, uh, Resistance, and I was not impressed so far. La Resistance? Yeah, it's not. I mean, uh, Oscar Isaac's in it actually doing the voice for Poe, which is great. Oh, good. But the main character I find super annoying, and his voice was der- terrible, and I just, eh, didn't yeah. do anything for me. But uh, maybe I'll give it a little while and come back to it. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, this one comes from Kurt, and Kurt Hi, says, Kurt. Hey, Alan, Matt, congratulations Hi. on reviewing all of Star Trek. I'll Hi. be curious to find out where the show goes next. Yes, so will we. <laughs> <laughs> We're all very <laughs> excited. And had some thoughts about it based on how comprehensive the show has become. One, you could do an episode on Star Trek novelizations. It doesn't have to be elaborately structured, just you, you guys discussing your favorites. Mm. You know, you've mentioned reading some of the books before and imagine you have opinions on what makes them good or bad. We have been considering that. Yes. We'll see what happens. Two, you could do an episode on Star Trek fan films. You may be ambivalent about watching these, but some of them feature original cast members, and I believe Tim Tuvok Rust directed at least one. Mm. I'd be really interested to get your take on them. We talked about that stuff years ago. Yeah. It might not be... Like, it might be worth revisiting, depending on what's out there. I, at the time, did not care for any of the fan, except with the exception of the Axanar pitch trailer. Mm-hmm. I did not care for any of the Star Trek uh, uh We films. did, we did an episode, this was back before Pa existed, on our, on our previous Star Trek, on our previous podcast, uh, Sarcastic Voyage, where mm-hmm. we just talked about whatever we wanted all the time. Yeah. Where we looked at a lot of that stuff. And as I recall, there was one we didn't hate. 
However, there are two or three that are almost identical, and I cannot yeah, remember which one Yeah, that's the other issue. And they all have but, the same, like, flight of honor or... Yeah. No, it's like the one is... Because they called it, like, phase two, which was what the original, like, what ended up becoming the motion picture was called. Yeah. But then they changed it to the new voyages, or maybe that's another one. It, yeah, gets, it gets real confusing. Anyway, I, I would be down. If you're not, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But... I would be down at giving that stuff another look or maybe looking at stuff we hadn't seen yet. Sure. Or maybe maybe even getting deeper into the actual fan films and less into the semi-professional stuff that has familiar actors in it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all look, like... Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. I don't want to, you know... Yeah. I don't want to commit to anything yet. We, we will figure something out. Yeah. Um. Uh, he says, uh, P.S., for the past two and a half years... My friend Kevin and I have hosted a podcast on comic books called The Comics Canon that you might enjoy. Oh, all right. So we will put a link to that in the show. I have to look. I am down to almost no comics podcast these days. So yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Stephen says, uh, "Sorry, I wasn't able to get a question in for the last supplemental, but I was having more issues than normal with my Kai Win like boss." <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I know you've moved on. I never want to talk about Star Trek's love letter to twenty four. But could you please do the dialogue for Trip being tortured by Mark Twain, putting honey all over his face and letting butterflies land on him? <laughs> That's a weird request. Uh-huh. To... I'm just going to get this honey here. I sure wish someone had stopped putting honey on my face. I hope I don't get it stuck in my only suit. I'm continuing to have honey put on my face. This is this is torture, but it's not as much torture as watching me point a pistol at people. Time travelers. Sure wish I was being sure wish I was being kissed to death by catfish. <laughs> Probably not as good as he'd hoped, but the what end. are you gonna do? And uh, scene. <laughs> yes, and let's never do that again. <laughs> It's been great watching DS9 with your podcast, especially season three so far, sans past tense. Wow, I'm with you on that two-parter. <laughs> I don't get why people like that one unless you love flaming trash can films of MST3K. Hooray! I, I can see why DS9 is your favorite track as it's crazy consistent. It also gives me the hardest laughs of any track. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly the best stretch of the podcast, even though currently podcast listeners are hard on you for not being hard on DS9. I don't remember that, but that sounds right. Are they? But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> So I don't remember the first Mirror episode's dialogue that much, but the second Mirror episode, where Cisco goes to replace Batman 66 villain Cisco to find <laughs> his Mirror wife, has some of the worst dialogue. It was so cliched, it was easy to complete people's sentences. Does this continue into future Mirror episodes? I, I mean, I think so. Yeah, they don't get better. No, it, and the thing about the Mirror universe is it's dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the point of it. Even when it's great, it's not great because it's good. Yeah. I, that's my opinion. Anyway. If you're looking for some good Cisco villainy, I suggest our man Bashir, mm-hmm. where he eats, where he gets to play a Bond eats, villain. He 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 chews scenery like he's going through a cracker factory. Yeah, it's very very good. Is he's a, a big wheel down at the cracker factory. I don't know. <laughs> when are they going to get to the in, cracker factory? I sleep in a race car bed. Do you sleep in a race car bed? <laughs> I sleep. I sleep, in, in, I sleep in a big bed with me horrible wife. <laughs> Oh, my wife is dead. <laughs> Crazy jazz brains. Let's throw it over. Just throw it over the fence. Let Arby's deal with it. <laughs> it's dignity, Cassidy. <laughs> All right. I like this. 
<laughs> what C- Cisco is uh as uh Kurt um Van Houten? Crap, what's it? Yeah, Van Houten. I could not think of his last name. Also, now I'm picturing him flying around in a shuttlecraft with like sticking out the top with his arm raised up holding a sandwich. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no, my arm. I used to have two? Wait. <laughs> And I'm picturing Odo. <laughs> That's you. You look like a jerk. <laughs> Can I borrow a feeling? <sighs> All right. Uh, let's see. This one comes from John Wiggins. Ash Tyler idea. Uh-huh. I'm afraid Disco might use the whole Ash was this Klingon they managed, mangled and put into a human skin as a way that the future they might use as another excuse as to what happened to the bumpy forehead ridges. Yeah, they might do that. That's entirely possible. Yeah, he's, he's basically just saying, like, the, yeah. now we got to explain that again. I think they're going to do that, and it sounds pretty low-key. I hope. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Justin, and Justin says, Hi, Justin. Uh, Brian Fuller is awful, and he should feel awful. His very first Star Trek writing credit is DS9's The Darkness and the Light, where that deformed Cardassian kidnapped Kira while he was preparing to cut Yoshi out of her, lurked in the shadows and pontificated that the darkness represents the darkness. Yep, that's a bad one. Yeah, that's where I believe you coined the phrase waving a knife around. Yep. Which you probably, like, that that phrase had probably been said before, but in the context of a very specific kind of TV episode, Mm -hmm. that really, like, you really captured something there that needed a label. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Now I just call those kinds of shows Filbert. (laughs) (laughs) Then he went on to write about Neelix wanting to commit suicide by hanging himself from the Talaxian giving tree. If only. Then he continued on with Alice, where Tom got haunted by Christine the starship. Yep. Then he made Kess come back pissed off and topped it with the mullet rebel holograms being chased by the Herogen. All while the lead hologram kept screaming about bringing his people of light holograms into the light. Ugh, this man high school notebook covers must have been insufferable. (laughs) Uh, it was Fuller that created these Tolkien-esque fighting Urakai Klingons and the Uruk-hai. darkness of the mirror universe. Ah, thank you. What is that? Uh, the, the orcs in uh, Lord of the Rings. Ah, that's why I don't know it. Yeah. Think Cobra Kai? That can't yeah. be right. Uh, the darkness of the mirror universe where the stars are darker. Thankfully, in the finale, they stuck the landing and now season two looks fun. New Pike looks fun. Not the brooding angry man who wants to resign in the cage that took place two years ago in the cage. Oh, God, are we going to have to watch the cage again? Uh, there's one person who might be our Ronald D. Moore savior on the show. Kristen Byers on the writing staff of Discovery is also working on the Picard show. She wrote CV's Pacem Parabellum, All right. uh, the most trekky Trek uh, episodes of the first season. She's written a dozen Voyager novels chronicling them after they got home. Hmm. Uh, she made me well up with how she fixed Chakotay and Harry. I just hope the Picard series is a limited series. I want a Logan-esque ending uh, with Picard, which I think he might want after he brought Charles Xavier to an end. Yeah. The only thing I really worry about is that he's got executive producer power and the one who demanded the light tone for Insurrection and a clone plot in Nemesis. Hmm. I don't know. We liked Insurrection. Yes, we did. We we surprisingly liked Insurrection. I liked it because it was light. Yeah. Because they weren't saving the galaxy from evil this time. It was yeah. just some like lighter adventure. Yeah. Uh, I'm hesitant. Also, it's Kirsten Byer, not Kristen. I, I said that wrong. Uh, I am hesitant to place my hopes in any one writer because so far I have not seen anything so excellent to, to demand that yet. Sure. I mean, that was a good episode, but the way writer's rooms work, that might have been part her and part other people. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to say yet. I don't know. Hopefully she's good. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I Again, I hate to be so cynical about it. I just, I'm I'm real worried about where the show's going. Yeah, uh, you know, fingers crossed. All that Section 31 stuff. Yeah. All that, you know. Also, Brian Fuller, I don't, 
I don't think he's bad. I think he's very no. good at what he does. I think his particular vision doesn't belong on Star Trek. I mean, his particular vision doesn't seem to be coming out on Star Trek, you know, like I disagree. I think all like just just like uh, Justin says here, I think all that darkness stuff. Oh, the, her, the yeah. Her reciting Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that's all the weird. mirror crap and all I that felt very him. And those boring ass Klingons. I just I feel like he's got a specific, you know, uh, aesthetic that doesn't really fit with what I want out of Star Trek. Yeah. And I think if they were giving Star Trek shows to lots of different creators, his vision would be one among many and it would be interesting. But mm. right now, this is all we got. It's the same way I felt about if they gave one to Tarantino. Yeah. It's fine if you give one to a bunch of other people. But yeah. If that's the, all we get for five years, that's, eh. yeah, that's a weird. I think I would love to see what Quentin Tarantino has to say about Star Trek as long as there's other Someone, options too. He's not the only person we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think this brand should be pumping out stuff, you know, like uh, at the level of Marvel or Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Well, I like, you know, Marvel maybe not the level on... of Star Wars. Apparently, people don't want a Star Wars movie a year. Uh, see, I think, no, I don't know. I think they could pull that off if they changed a couple of things. Yeah. But, you know, and stop listening to assholes. Yeah, please. Please stop but, listening to assholes. But even even if they only do a movie every couple of years, that's fine. They're still doing TV series and, you know, license, like licensed canonical books and comics. Yeah. Like, they've really got a handle on what that franchise is. Mm -hmm. And Star Trek is still flailing, I think. Yeah. There should be so much, like... I don't understand why. The, I mean, I'm sure there's some bullshit legal thing, but why the movies and TV series aren't tying together more? Yeah. Or why we haven't had a movie since fucking uh, Beyond? Yeah. But that's you know, now they might not have Chris Pine. I. Uh, it's such a mess. Yeah. <laughs> we just want Star Trek. And you know, I always go back to circa 1996, where you had DS9 and Voyager on the air at the same time. And, like, uh, a next-gen movie coming out. Yeah. Like, this was before everyone was on board with shared universes, and it did fine. Mm -hmm. And now people are even more into that stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I don't know why they're not It's your that. time, Star Trek. Come on. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Brandon says, Greetings, all. I've been thinking about something that was discussed in the first episode of Discovery. Uh... Why, even though they were siblings, Spock never told Kirk about the existence of his sister, Michael. Mm. I think I have an answer for that. Look at her. Look at James Tiberius Kirk. No, serious. Look at James Tiberius, can I have sex with it, Kirk. I'm surprised that Kirk knew about Spock's mother. Uh, I'm sure... I, sh I sure would not have told him about any female family members. And you know he would have used every single move he had to get Michael. <laughs> it's possible. Also, in The War Without, The War Within, you discussed the disappointment you had and how quickly we had to witness the death of Stamets. Uh... And the loss of Star Trek's first gay couple. While sad that we lost an interesting character, I per personally, a hetero cisgender Caucasian male, really liked aspects of that. It established a character as gay without beating us, beating it over our heads or having some contrived conversation about their orientation. It also kept in Star Trek tradition that all relationships are bad and doomed. <laughs> While I agree that maybe more time spent on the healing would have been more realistic on a TV series about a ship flying through space being powered by mushrooms, it would have been a hindrance to the overall ar overarching story. I just like to think he was heavily medicated. Uh, I think because Star Trek beats its chest about how progressive it is, I think they need to be more careful than other shows. Yeah. Is what I think. You've got this <clears throat> this legacy so somehow. Um, mm -hmm. You need to be aware of this kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Like, really do. 
bringing in finally bringing in some gay characters is great. That's a great first step. Um, yep. There's a lot more work to do. You cannot jump straight to the sad the sad death of one of those characters. Also, I think this show, and I've said this before, the show is so obsessed with every episode has to have a world-changing cliffhanger. Yeah. And maybe back off of that a little bit. There's a way to be serialized and interesting without, mm -hmm. like, completely blowing. Like, there, I said this before, too. There's only one show on the air right now that does this well, and that's The Good Place. Yeah. Where the premise changes every couple of weeks because everything has completely changed. But it's a very hard trick to pull off, and I think they were just trying way too hard like for shocking moment after shocking moment and mm -hmm. back off a little man yeah. space it out make us be surprised but like in a in a 3 or 4 week period we had uh Hugh gets killed then we find out uh about um uh that uh Giorgio is the empress and then we found out that or the emperor and then we found out that uh Lorca was from the mirror universe and then and, we found uh, out about don't Ash forget Tyler. Ash Tyler yeah like all of that happened one week after that it's like they were just looking for a a you know, a bold twist every yeah. weekend. It's like, I got fucking twist fatigue, you know? Yeah. Like, sometimes the show can just end. Yeah. Or you can have a cliffhanger, like a, you know, a softer cliffhanger. Yeah, what if we get blown always... up this week? Yeah, something. I yeah. don't know. You won't, but that's a perfectly acceptable cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Mike X. Hi, Mike. Uh, hey, Matt and Al. I've been enjoying your discussions on Discovery, even though I haven't paid for what I imagine to be a series of old-timey vacuum mail tubes through which CBS delivers hastily drawn flip books. Uh-huh. But I might have the wrong impression of their streaming service, and in fact the show. For most of this latest incarnation of Pa, I've been picturing Michael as played by Jason Bateman in a Spock bowl cut and dress. A recent trip to IMDb sure set me straight. Uh, so I have a question and a statement. First, I finished my uh, rewatch of DS9, the best one, and it made me think. In my opinion, that series has the best breakdown of uh, great, good, bad, terrible episodes. Yeah, we just mentioned that, actually. Mm -hmm. Mostly great, a lot of good, only some, uh, only a little bit of uh, either bad or terrible. Mm -hmm. Now that you're done with all of Star Trek, what percentages would you give to each series in terms of those categories? For example, I'd say Enterprise might be 20% bad and 80% terrible, <laughs> but I'm sure not going to rewatch it to see if I'm being unfair or too fair. Um, A lot of those shows are, we, we've put way too much distance between to sort of break up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think... A lot of this has to do with the way TV worked in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Where you, like, a, a typical season of Next Gen or Voyager had to be 26 episodes. Yeah. And then they did seven seasons. And it's just, it's hard to maintain a high level of quality with that many episodes. DS9 did it, but no, nobody else has. Yeah. But, you know. Like, like I think I think one of the reasons we're at peak TV now, as as a lot of people like to say, is because a typical season of a show is ten, thirteen, fifteen episodes. Mm -hmm. Like it's much fewer, so yeah. you can you can work harder. Yeah. Know? So and hopefully Disco will take advantage of that. I, I mean, hopefully. Right now, one of the very best like dramas on TV for me is Better Call Saul, and they do ten episodes a year, mm -hmm. and it's great. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Mike goes on. Finally, I'd just like to congratulate the both of you as well you, as your shuttle full of guests for completing your long, sometimes hard, hugely entertaining task. <laughs> Many of us have said it before, but I look forward to starting every Monday morning with Pa. And above all, I love how much you guys appreciate the optimism of Star Trek, the upward trend to a brighter future. Those are the kind of stories we need right now, or at least the kind we need to talk about. Yeah. Yep. Thank I, you. And, you know, so on with, uh, on with section 31, I guess. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> 
Uh, question this one mark. Was also... <laughs> Hooray! Question mark. <laughs> this one also comes from Justin. Several years ago, a Trek author wrote a book about Cisco after he came back from the wormhole. Cisco was angry and sullen, grew out his hair and shaved his beard. Uh, then he abandoned Cassidy and their five-year-old daughter and took an assignment on the other side of the quadrant. He regressed all the way back to the way he was in the pilot. The fans went apoplectic. Uh, it was jarring seeing him so angry and bitter. There was no way Avery Brooks would have played the part given the stereotypical elements for an angry black man abandoning his family. Yeah. Uh, the author was chased off the Trek BBS boards. Granted, this is the same author who wrote the Crucible trilogy where McCoy swept a floor for 15 pages, so I have my own issues with it. <laughs> what was it? Twin Peaks The Return? The yeah. book? <laughs> but the book turned out to be a trilogy of novels that arched or arced Cisco through the death of Joe Cisco and religious nuts coming after his daughter and bookended the Benny Russell character getting out of the mental hospital ran by Dr. DeMar. It's actually a beautiful ending and uh, Cisco and Cassidy and their daughter are now living happily on the galaxy class USS Robinson exploring the Gamma Quadrant. When you guys discussed Dr. Culber being murdered, I was totally ignorant of the concept of killing off gay characters. It reminded me so much of the above books that I guess mm. I gave them the benefit of the doubt with him being alive in Mario 2 and probably bringing him back in season 2 where all our hopes lie. <laughs> In retrospect, it was a pretty shitty thing to do, especially since a tightly serialized show. It should have mattered more to Stamets other than a quick throwaway line to get them to the right exit on the Mushroom Superhighway. Yeah. But like I said to Nate on Twitter, the only Trek relationships to survive death is Miles and Keiko. And who the fuck wants to be Miles and Keiko? <laughs> I, I mean, a lot of people keep saying, like, relationships are doomed in Star Trek. I don't... I mean, I guess that's true. I guess that happens, but... Not, I mean, like, think about it, like... Yeah, but I think it's a coincidence, like... Joss Whedon writes relationships that are always doomed. That yeah. is a thing for him. You know, George R. R. Martin writes characters that die. Yeah. Like, I don't. I think it's a coincidence that Star Trek, a show about constantly moving to somewhere else, mm. has relationships that don't last. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's on purpose, by design. I would hope not, but... You, but what I'm saying is, you could just as easily not do that. Mm. There's no point to continuing that trend, you know? Yeah. It's not a theme. It's no. just a coincidence. So, I don't know. Uh, let's yeah. see. This one comes from Seth. And Hi, he Seth. Says, In which I defend the mirror universe. All right. It seems to be a wildly, widely held opinion that Discovery's time in the mirror universe was too much, and I wanted to advocate a bit of contrary position to that point of view. I won't say the series of episodes set in the mirror universe is perfect, and there's certainly a lot of things to take issue with. The thing that I enjoyed about it, however, is that for the first time in the history of Star Trek, I feel like the Mirror Universe is a real setting. Mm. Even DS9's repeated annual trips to the Mirror Universe didn't add the depth and robustness that Discovery's run did. Rather than just being an excuse for a campy take on Star Trek or a thinly veiled excuse to sex up all the women on the show, it finally felt to me like a genuine place that had its own rules and structure. I think the best comparison would be what DS9 did with the Ferengi. What was once a joke of an alien species actually had some world building done with them during DS9's run. The Ferengi stopped being about nothing but greed and space whips and instead had some depth and rules added to their culture. Discovery did some of the same with the Mirror Universe. Uh, again, it wasn't perfect. I'm certainly not advocating an entire series set there, but by toning down the over-the-top sex, doing a little bit of world building, even making some topical social and political commentary on xenophobic paranoia, Discovery managed to make the Mirror Universe feel more real than it has in any of the other Star Trek series. Although I'm not sure how much I want to return visit, there's part of me that's curious what will happen in the Mirror Universe after Discovery, in true Kirkian fashion, blew it all up and then promptly warp off and leave <laughs> the residents to pick up the pieces. That is actually what IDW is doing in their comics right now. Yeah. So if you want to check that out, do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I disagree with this take. I think that the Mirror Universe is a fun setting that we talked about this repeatedly. Yeah. The minute you look at how it works, it falls apart. Yeah, none of it makes any sense if you spend even a second trying to figure it out. Yeah, and that's 
that's why I didn't like it because you don't want like I get what you're saying here, mm. Seth. Like we get we get more of an explanation, we get more of a backstory, but the more you see, the less sense it makes. Yeah, and it's one of those concepts in Star Trek to me that's fun, but don't like don't. <laughs> yeah, please. Like the magic stops working if you look at how it's done. Yeah, and I I just don't think. You know, because you really start puzzling out how is it possible all these guys are on the same ship and, and in the same place and like yeah, how is there a ship called Discovery mm-hmm. in this universe where everything else is named after like you know conquerors or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Like this is not a universe that prides itself on discovery for crying out loud. Yeah, it's, there's just so much of it doesn't make any sense. It should be called like the knife. <laughs> Also, because the main, the prime universe was so dark. Yeah. Because we had Lorca and almost genocide and all that crap. Yeah. The mirror universe wasn't enough of a contrast. No. Like, like, this is also pretty, (laughs) this place sucks too. In the original series, they went there and it's like, oh, these guys are not, you know, hopeful space hippies. These Mm -hmm. guys are murderers. Yeah. And it was interesting, but, you know. (laughs) In here, it was like, oh, good, more darkness. Uh Now the darkness is literal. Yeah. Good. Great. And also they can't see it. The, they can only see in the dark and whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, this one comes from Devlin. Hi, Devlin. And Devlin says, dear Al Matt and the post-atomic players. Uh, so some of the United States recently celebrated Indigenous Peoples Day on what used to be celebrated as Christopher Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. This is the thing we do in Seattle. I, I'm very, very pleased. About yeah, that. no, this is this is great. It's been a welcome transition. Los Angeles hosted massive festivals in order to center the day around celebrating the living cultures that have been on this continent for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. I, the oldest living millennial, grew up on the tail end of uh, celebrating Christopher Columbus as a brave and noble explorer, as opposed to the actual rapist, slave trader, and portent of Manifest Destiny murderscape that he was. Uh, Fun fact, Christopher Columbus is in the bad place for everything (laughs) you just said. (laughs) Yep. A toxic attachment to the idea, such as the American myth of Columbus, can take a society far. However, there comes a point when real cultural progress can only be achieved by fearlessly examining the stories we grew up with. Yeah, quick quick side note, uh, and this is not my observation. I, I read this in a book, but it is so true. Mm. Um, Columbus and so much of what we think we know about the founding fathers and all that crap uh, basically comes from one guy, Washington Irving. Really? Uh, yes, who wrote tons and tons of American mythology. Like, he, he's like... Oh. The country's young and we don't really have an identity. I'm going to codify all this stuff and write it all down so that everyone know, knows how we got discovered. We got discovered by this heroic guy who uh-huh. has a historic basis, but it was nothing like this. Ugh. And I'm I'm oversimplifying. But yeah. So many of the, if you ask anyone off the top of their head, you know, what mm-hmm. George Washington was like or who discovered America, it all comes from this guy trying to make, like, basically put some branding hashtag branding on america cool well his heart was in the right place i mean okay but you know there was no like you to be a country you need a narrative it's all where he's coming from i just think it's awesome that this country's entire history is based on you know the guy who invented the headless horseman Uh, yeah that is true but but quite a lot of it you know like the folk wisdom the stuff that's not exactly true but everyone thinks is true Uh uh-huh it comes from that guy. Oh, okay. Uh, Devlin goes on. This reminds me very much of Starfleet horse thief Jonathan Archer. <laughs> <laughs> we all know the real world reason why there's no mention of this torture porn star in the 24th century. It's because the show set then were made 10 years before Enterprise. Archer's included in the list of the best captains during the disco days when Starfleet is still kind of okay with ordering Klingon genocide to end a war. 
But I like to think that by the time Picard gets to the Academy, the myth of John Archer, the brave and noble explorer, has been abandoned by a Federation that no longer needs the fantasy and is ready to make peace with their deeply horrific history. It's a nice Star Trekky interpretation of the canon. Not that humans are inherently good, but the humanity is expressed by choosing to be better. Mm-hmm. And I, as a fan, am choosing this interpretation to make my favorite franchise better. While this starry-eyed space show will always be hindered by generations of sleazy producers, the Star Trek universe is notoriously fan-driven, and I believe that mass media works best when we consider it, uh, not when we consider it a consumable, but when we consider it a conversation. Very well said. Mm. Uh, thank you for reading my manifesto, because it's brought me to my actual point. Thank you for the post-atomic core. Thank you for holding up the conversation for nearly a decade. Thank you for choosing to be better along the way. Thank you for inspiring me to examine the stories I grew up with. Thank you for covering all the Star Trek that will, there will ever be forever, for now. Congratulations to the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast. Your screaming light up disco trash can, Devlin. Thank you, Devlin. That was very, very nice. Yeah, this is some excellent points. And yeah, I I would like to canonically think that that Star Trek will get over, like Starfleet will get over its John Archer fetishism. Yeah. On the other hand, it would have been easy and great for Disco to say it was already over by that point. Yeah, that would be fine. I like I think they probably thought they were throwing in a, a a nice fan Easter egg. Oh, totally. Or maybe they liked Enterprise. I don't know. There's people like yeah. that out there for some reason. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it, but fine. Yeah, eh, whatever. Our feelings at Enterprise are well, well yeah. documented. Remember the people who kept saying it's not as bad as you guys fear. It'll be all right. That's no, way worse than we feared. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be boring. Yeah, which it was. Uh huh. But it was also offensive. It was boring and offensive and stupid. Yeah. Ugh. How about that? Just, yeah. Ugh. All right. Last one. All right. I I think. I don't know. Maybe there's more. Take us uh, Michael says, Hi, Michael. I've been listening to pause episodes about DS9 for about two years as I make my way through the series. Hmm. At this point, I'm most of the way through season six. I recently saw In the Pale Moonlight a few nights ago. Mm-hmm. Generally watching two episodes of the show and then listening to your podcast covering these two. Hmm. I also listen to Discovery episodes as they released and I look forward to what your plans are going forward. Your show's been a fun way for me to enjoy the series in a spoiler-free fashion. I had seen original series in Next Gen before, and when a friend recommended that I watch DS9, your show was also suggested to go with it. You two have made an amazing companion piece to a great show. Since I tend to have more listening time than watching time available, I've been listening uh, also to your episodes about original series, animated series, which I hadn't seen before, and your show caused me to watch. Now about half of TNG. Plan to buy your episode guides, but unfortunately I think the link isn't working. Oh yeah, I I, I spotted this and fixed it. It is now working. Mm-hmm. If you go to postomicora.com, click on store, uh, it is there. And if not, write back to us at postomicora at Gmail. I will fix it, but I'm yeah. 95% sure it's fixed now. Uh, this isn't just fan mail. I do have a question for you. I apologize if it's been answered in a supplemental I haven't listened to yet. I've seen maybe half a dozen episodes each of Voyager and Enterprise. When I finish watching DS9, if I were to watch one of those, which would you recommend? I'm able to gather from the episodes I've heard you weren't looking forward to either of them. Maybe after the fact you saw one of them is better than the other. Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. You want um, to take this? Voyager in a goddamn minute. Um, Voyager is by no means perfect. Um, a lot no, of it when is we ended Voyager, bad. When we ended Voyager, we're like, ugh, I hope we don't have anything that bad again. Yeah. But, but yeah, in retrospect. But Voyager has a, fun, a great cast, first of all. Yeah. There's, I mean, of the, I don't know, eight or ten main characters, we only really didn't like two of them. Yeah. Nah, three. Yeah. Chuck, Harry, and Neelix. Yeah, basically. Um, Voyager is more fun than Enterprise ever is. Yeah, Um, and it wasn't very fun. 
but yeah, like you you got to understand we are qualifying the hell out of absolutely. This. You're right. Uh, I would look if you're going to do Voyager. I would maybe, for example, listen to a podcast that watched it first to figure out what episodes you should watch. Yeah, but I understand the idea of wanting to watch it first, mm-hmm. develop your own opinions, and then hear what we think, or you know, not wanting to be spoiled. Yeah, like there's there's arguments for both. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Voyager's got a lot of shit. Um, yeah, it's not a good show. No, and and at the end of all the other series, we came up with lists of which ones were worth watching, and we didn't do it for Voyager because I think we were a little burned out. At yeah, that we point. were. But off the top of my head, I could definitely think of a, of a handful that mm-hmm. were good. Some great seven um, episodes. Um, yeah, there was that one. The one with Balana and the robot really sticks. That's out a good for me. one. Um, yeah, and I don't have titles off the top of my head. Yeah. If 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 you really need us to, if you if you press us, Michael, if you say give me some titles, we absolutely could sit down and do that. For yeah. You. But as we record this off the top of our heads, it's a, yeah. it's a little difficult. But they're definitely, like, I could come up with 10 to 20 Voyager episodes that are great, worth watching. Yeah. It was about I, that's, out of, that's out of 178. Yeah. So. There's about, what, five good episodes of Enterprise? Oh. There's I a couple. That's generous. There's definitely a couple. I would say three. But um, there is also uh, a, a, a smaller pool to choose from. That's but also, true. But also, it was more terrible than that. And not. also, there's almost no one on that cast that I like. Yeah. There's Trip and the Doctor and the Dog. And uh, Hoshi. Oh, and and uh, uh, T'Pol was all right. So about half of them, yeah. I guess. But the Dog hardly got any lines. Yeah. So, you know. uh, also, uh, something that Michael pointed out here that I, I want to I address. Um, I hear from a lot of people, a lot of people, about... They listen to the show because their friend listened to the show and told them to check us out. Mm. I love that. That's I awesome. love that. Like we got some major boosts uh, from our pal at uh, Kotaku. Um, we got a, a boost here and there, you know, in in different places, being mentioned in different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that word of mouth is continuing to grow our audience. Yeah, is, we don't advertise like, at all. So like no. I, I we've been very lucky to be mentioned in, in a handful of like sort of high profile websites, mm-hmm. but I word of mouth like that's the hardest to get. That's in terms of marketing. I I suck at marketing. I'm yeah. terrible at it. We don't know how to promote anything. We're yeah. worst at it. But <laughs> but I do know that is the like the gold standard for any like uh, like independent you know low level pursuit is word of mouth. You do a good thing that people think is good and they tell their friends and their friends jump on board and tell their friends yeah. and so on. And I'm so happy to hear that you guys are doing this. Yeah. Like it it thrills me to know that we started out with not a whole lot of listeners. We have a lot more. Like I have no clue how many we have, but we have definitely seen this thing grow and grow. And a big part of that is if you like the show, you tell your friends yeah. and your friends come on board and tell their friends and so on. And, and I thank you so much. Yeah, that means that. a I mean, lot to us. I, thank you for all of this, really. Uh-huh. For letting us guys, continue to do this. Yeah. For, for knowing that we're not just shouting in the darkness. Yeah. People are actually hearing and interacting with us. Every every Monday, we get tweets from people who heard the show and either thought something was funny or take issue with the thing we said or, mm. hey, stupid, that thing you were struggling to remember is this. Yeah. yeah whatever. And it's great to hear from people. Mm-hmm. And, you know. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we say this at the end of every show, but at Algar, at Robot Matt, yeah. we'd love to hear from people. Um, on Facebook, there is, uh, I just set up one page for Algar Productions, which at this point is mostly PA. Mm-hmm. There's, I got one other project going right now, but it's pretty much just PA. And yeah. again, if you want to 
if you want to like contact us we make it very easy and you guys are very communicative like that's a big part of the show's success too Mm -hmm. is that it's a two-way conversation that yeah it's mostly us podcasting but anytime you guys need to call us out on our bullshit you can do that yeah and i'm glad and please continue to do so like by all means yeah there's a lot of stuff we're we're trying to get better about there's a lot of stuff we're trying to be more aware of and a lot of times i think we're on the right side of something and someone will write in and say hey dummies (laughs) this actually yeah you 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 left this part out Uh uh-huh so oh there's that yeah uh let's see we do have one more all right Uh, some comes from andrew and he says uh just wanted to thank you for all your hard work which has provided me many many hours of entertainment I'm glad to hear from your most recent supplemental that you appreciated the dancing hot dog e-card my wife sent to congratulate the achievement. She was thrilled to hear you guys appreciated it, and we both thoroughly enjoyed the return, however brief of Armis, who's the silly voice that still fails, never fails to crack us up. Uh, I also thought you might appreciate that knowing you were far from the first person who has struggled pronouncing my, and for the last two years, her last name. Mm. Even better, my wife's a physician and gets no joke called or paged as Dr. Pulaski, on a semi-regular basis. Oh, dear. It's a misnomer she wears with pride. <laughs> we haven't seen Discovery yet, and we'll likely be following along as you work your way through it. From what I heard, it sounds like a bit of a mess, albeit a mostly entertaining mess, that could eventually develop into something pretty good. Mm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. You guys are the best. Keep up the good work. Thank you. All the best, Andrew Pulaski. That is not what it says. <laughs> uh, we got a we got a couple more things here from a dude named Andrew, a uh, different Andrew. All right. Uh, who just did a bunch of images that... Like, I'm not going to sit and describe each one of them. Sure. Put them in the show notes. They are, they are funny little photoshops and things that he did. So uh, thank so you. Check those out. Other Andrew. Uh, all, all the show notes will be, uh, if you go to postomichorror.com, there's a whole separate page mm. for supplementals and all the show notes are there. Yeah. So check that out. And that is it. Yeah. That is all for this time. Is there anything else you wanted to? Supplemental uh, number? 40. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, any, anything else you wanted to, to talk about or address? I don't or, think right? so. All right. Uh, Moving well, forward into uh, more Discovery and whatever the hell else we get up to. Yeah, Discovery Season 2, uh, our first episode uh, covering that will be the same week it airs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be posting, I believe, Monday, January 21st. So uh, before that, we're still figuring out the middle. We're still figuring out, like, we know what the next five weeks are going to be. After that, we got some plans. We got some ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not, we haven't solidified it just yet, but for the next five weeks we are doing, as we've talked about many times, uh, we will be revisiting five episodes of, uh, various Star Treks over the years that we think, uh, uh need to be readdressed by yeah. us. We're not doing the George Lucas thing where the old episode is no longer available. No, they'll still be um, there. They will still be there. Uh, I will say to a first time listener. We would probably prefer you listen to the new version, but we're not going to stop you from yeah, listening. Yeah, we were less sh- we're less shitty people now. I that I mean again that there's there's different reasons we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at the list right now of the five pairs. Three of them are because we had kind of problematic opinions. Yeah, uh, one of them is be- for for quality reasons, as we've talked about. Yep. Uh, and one of them is the DS9 finale because Gav never had a chance to uh, write a poem for that finale. And we got to, you know, yeah, we got to give him the chance to do that. Absolutely. But yeah, the, the majority of them are just because we had stupid opinions. And we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Also, it would be fun and interesting to watch episodes we have not watched in years. Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to watch more, to watch some original series again. 
yeah, we got two pairs of those in here. So mm-hmm. uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. So next week we will be starting in with Matt. You can finally put those those uh, anxiety nightmares to rest because we will have a good version of the man trap and Charlie X out there. Yep. And not the one that you were constantly ashamed of for the past eight years. Yep. So look forward to that. Um, and after that, uh, I, I will mention one other thing. Like I said, the, 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 the rest of the future is a little bit in flux. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one, one thing that is definitely happening, I've, I've been arranging this for the last couple of weeks, and it's a sure thing now. This is nuts. That I don't know how we're going to pull this off logistically. We're doing a supplemental, a Q&A discussion panel type supplemental with all, all of the uh, uh, regular guests of this show. Yeah. This is going Every to be single insane. We are talking about, I'm looking at the list right now. Amanda, Bob, Brian, Caitlin, Flonk, Irish Gav, Nate, Tidro, and Vishal. Oh my God. Plus you and me. Uh-huh. This is going to be a nightmare. I have format uh, uh, ideas in place so that it's not just me and Brian talking and everyone <laughs> else struggling to be heard. <laughs> everyone will get a turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically what I have in mind is like, uh, you remember the, the terrible, uh, presidential debates back when there were like 50 candidates. Sure. Where they deliberately ask a question. It is your turn to talk. <laughs> Only you get to talk for one minute. And then we open the floor to discussion. That's basically <laughs> how we'll do it. So everyone gets a chance to speak. Uh, and yeah, logistically, like I have no idea how we're going to record yeah. that, but, but the scheduling part is taken care of. I've talked to everyone. We've, we've agreed on some dates that are, that are going to work. So, mm-hmm. uh, so if you have any anything you want to write in, keep it brief. Yeah. We do enjoy reading your manifestos. I don't mind that, but we got a lot of people and yeah. a lot of things to discuss. Very short questions along the lines of what was your favorite episode, that kind of thing. Yeah. If you have that for that show, please write in. We'd mm-hmm. love to we'd love to, you know, Matt and I'll probably sit down and figure out exactly what kind of things we're going to discuss yeah. and it'll be a mix of Serious Star Trek analysis and, and goofing around, probably. Goof em ups, yeah. Yeah, you know, what is your favorite Star Trek character voice to do? That's that's one I would love to run by everyone. Excellent question. I mean, everyone will probably say Armus, but, you know, who knows? Everybody does love to do Armus. Yeah. And we could get all of us in unison to say catfish, which which we had meant to do some time <laughs> ago. But, yeah, if you have a if you have a very brief question that you want to ask all of the regular guests of this show... Yeah. Uh, Please write to us, post at at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you. That yeah. that will be happening after, at some point after we do uh, these uh, these redos. Yeah. Um, and that's all for this time. Yeah. See you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs> <laughs>